This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Well, the game last night looked like it was over. one nothing in overtime between the Calgary Flames and the Minnesota Wild. Players went back to the room. Some guys had their gear off, jerseys off, but after review... Winner from Jared Spurgeon was ruled offside. Players from the Flames come rushing back onto the bench. The sticks got to come back out. Equipment staff is uh, working overtime to get everything back under control. And then the Flames ultimately win in a shootout. Uh, Tyler Toffoli gets the shootout winner in round four. So less than 24 hours after his big game winner against the Dallas Stars. It's Tyler Toffoli again in the shootout last night. Jacob Markstrom, a 40-save shutout in regulation and overtime. His first shutout of the season. In. Two big wins for the Calgary Flames in a row. I think first time they've had back-to-back wins in about six weeks now. Welcome into Hockey Central here on Sports at 960. I'm Haley Salvian here with you for the next hour. Going to bring in my uh, pal Logan Gordon to dig into this game a little bit. Uh, coming up later in the hour, we're going to talk to David Amber, NHL host on Sportsnet. Take a spin around the league. Uh, and then it's back. It's time for the Pat Chat. Uh, the second half of the hour, we'll bring Pat Steinberg, host of Flames Talk, into the show to uh, dive a little bit deeper into the Calgary Flames. But before all that, Logo, how did we feel about last night? Was that the jumping point? Was that the springboard that we have been talking about? I know it's only two games. I'm trying not to freak out. How no. <laughs> I feel you. We're, we're, we're kind of in the same thing uh, on my <laughs> Was show. Was that it? <laughs> maybe sure it could it be absolutely i feel like and i said this a couple times today already i'm like it feels like it could be Haley, but then i feel like i look at friday all of a sudden and i go they lose friday game, to the ducks and Anaheim. it's like yeah it's it's like why did <laughs> yeah. i spend any time talking about this being yeah now could it be sure i thought there were two of their better wins on the season markstrom looks more like the jacob markstrom we know and that's got to be a positive in and of itself for this group. So could it be? Sure. Do I need to see a little bit more before I'm uh, going to dive two feet in that this is the direction they're going? Absolutely. Now, you know, technically this could be a moment for, for the Calgary Flames to flip the script a little bit. Um, the math, it's not great. According to Dom Luschician from The Athletic, the Flames have a 36% chance at making playoffs per his model, and those uh, those data points were updated about six hours ago, so that's updated from last night's win against the Minnesota Wild. So current playoff percentage, according to Dom's model at The Athletic, is 36%. Um, I guess it depends if you feel like just being in the mix is good enough if you're a Flames fan, right? Because I think based on how we were talking about this team three days ago, two weeks ago last week heading into the trade deadline i think a lot of people thought that they were done especially after saturday's game i think a lot of people saw that that shot of everyone looking dejected on the bench is like yeah they're toast this is it the flames are done um so comparatively speaking to that reference point you know just being in the mix seems like a good thing uh, i guess if you're a fan or a media member or somebody who looked at this flames team on paper at the beginning of the season and said oh yeah they minimize the damage they're going to be better Better this year, you know, this is a team that can do some damage in the postseason. Just being in the mix isn't good enough if that's the way that you looked at it. So, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see, like, in your opinion, Logo, and, and on the text line 960-960, it is open if you want to join in on the conversation. Uh, if you're listening live, like, is being in the mix and playing, you know, meaningful hockey games enough right now for this Calgary Flames team? No, it's not. The short answer is no, it's it's not. I think even though we might have shortchanged just how impactful all the changes were to this group, I still think that this is a skilled enough group, Haley, that should have found themselves in a much better position at this time of year. Now, does that mm -hmm. mean that they can't take any value out of being in games late this season and potentially building towards next season? No, I think that there's still a real possibility that even if they make a push here at the end of the season and don't make the playoffs, I think that can be a good building block for this group who I think is going to be together 
next year, just based on all the contracts that have been signed uh, this last off season. So from that perspective, I, I certainly feel it's there, but let's be honest, the expectation was, and no one in this organization told us otherwise heading into the season. Mm-hmm. No one, you know, came out and said, Hey, slow your roll. We're talking about Pacific divisions or playoffs or anything. We need to see what this group looks like. It was, Hey, we have a talented group uh, who we feel can, you know, make up for the losses that we had this off season. So I think it's, it's very fair for anybody in our spot or who watches the team to feel as though regardless of what happens, they needed to have made the playoffs. Yeah, this is a this is a talented team that's underperforming and and sometimes that happens. Sometimes that can be true, but I think, you know, we we hear from fans a lot whether it's on social media or on the text line here uh, at the radio station, comment sections of stories like this is the the making the playoffs and then underperforming and then making the playoffs and then just not being good enough. Um, that's a cycle that we've seen before. And and we know from Daryl Sutter, uh, from hearing him talk last year, it, it was never about just making the playoffs and going on one run. Right. He came back to make sure that this was a team that could make the playoffs on a regular basis and kind of always be in and around it, not one year in, one year out. Um, so if that is what success looks like, then, yeah, it's not it's not good enough. That's not the goal isn't to just be there one year uh, and then try to scrape in the next. And I know that's something that frustrates this fan base. Oh, 100 percent. And it's it's something that you know, was just starting to be talked about with the former core, right? I mean, they were finally building a couple playoff appearances together and then it all changed and they went somewhere else. I think that there's still, you know, got to be an understanding that this group will need to build something similar again. It doesn't make it any easier for anybody watching. Like, it's not going to satisfy someone who wanted this team to be in the playoffs, Haley, but you're 100% right. The, you know, the guarantee or the, ease of emotions for maybe say someone in Tampa the last six or seven years to just kind of know you were going to be there. That's not something that exists in Calgary. Mm -hmm. And and all that being said, you know, I know that almost like kind of skirts over how fun last night's game or the, or at least the end, maybe not the zero zero tie, you know, halfway through the game or the (laughs) first goal, not coming until OT. Um, But like not to just completely jump over like two kind of fun finishes, 24 hours apart, two big flames wins. Like that can be fun. Like people, we can still enjoy that in and of itself. Like regardless of, you know, maybe it is the jumping point to a big playoff push, you know, maybe, it is the start of a great run maybe it's not uh we can still enjoy those last two finishes we can still enjoy what tyler tofoli has provided because they were fun oh you know, I, yeah, again, maybe the zero zero wasn't this. great but <laughs> like anything please anything to go on two straight days talking about uh something positive and a win yeah i'm 100 percent there for that yeah, absolutely. Uh, and thanks, Logo. We're going to jump off and, uh, and go to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline now. Uh, host of Sportsnet today. You hear him all the time. It's Logan Gordon. Thanks for chatting with me off the top here, bud. Talk to you soon, Hills. All right. Uh, so we're going to go to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline because we have our first guest of the day. It's David Amber. He's an NHL host on Sportsnet. He joins us now. Uh, David, were you uh, were you enthralled with the zero zero tie heading into OT last night, like all of us were? <laughs> That's a loaded question. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I was, honestly, I was hard, having a hard time keeping my eyes open. <laughs> it was uh-huh. it was uh, it was low event hockey, and and it was the it was the perfect road game, I guess, for the Flames. And this is the goaltending they've expected from Jacob Markstrom pretty much all season, and finally finally arrived at, at a very crucial point so that was that was really nice to see the, the fact that the team all mobbed you know they didn't go and mob Tyler Toffoli as much as they went and mobbed Jacob Markstrom and, and I think that speaks volumes to how well he's liked and how much the team knows they need him to play at that level to have success so uh, it wasn't the most interesting game sometimes zero zero game is back and forth really exciting I wouldn't categorize last night's game as that but the finish certainly provided some pretty good uh, dramatic endings for everyone especially for Flames fans Absolutely. And I mean, uh, Flames, they win in the shootout last night. First time they've won back-to-back games in six weeks. You know, obviously two big wins against Western Conference opponents. Jacob Markstrom gets the shutout. Like, are, are we starting to see signs of life in Calgary, David? Or is it or is it a little bit too late to be having these conversations? Well, that's yet to be determined. But, um, 
you know, it's been streaks have been hard to come by. The Flames have won three games in a row, from what I understand, twice all season. And they've never won four in a row. So even even crappy teams, quite frankly, have run off four and five wins in a row, Arizona and Chicago, et cetera. So um, it's pretty remarkable that they're still in the playoff hunt, knowing they haven't been able to string together a series of wins at any time so far this year. Um, I wouldn't say it's too late, but it's very late. And the margin for error has been reduced dramatically. And quite frankly, it's out of their control now. Um, you know, they can, I was doing the math and I figure 97 points looks like a reasonable amount to get you into the playoffs in the West. And that means they'll have to go 14 and four uh, down the stretch. Um, yeah. Are, are they down to 17 games left or 18? I can't even remember. Maybe it's 13 uh, 17. So they're at game number 65. So, I mean, now they got to go 13 and four the rest of the way. That's, that's tough sledding, right? That's asking a lot. And you also need, whether it's Seattle, Winnipeg, Colorado, Edmonton, you need one of those teams to, to slide a little bit and go a little below 500. So you're asking a lot right now. But um, miracles happen. And, and I don't know if I should call it a miracle, but things happen. Teams <laughs> go on epic runs. And maybe this is the year the Flames do that. So one of the things that's kind of not in their control is the play of the Winnipeg Jets. They're 2-6-2 two, and two in their last 10. They take on the Minnesota Wild tonight. Uh, I believe that game is on Sportsnet as well, Wild versus the Jets. Uh, the Wild could tie the Stars for the most points. The Central with a win, if the Jets lose, well, that kind of helps Calgary a little bit. I mean, uh, you know, even just taking the Flames out of the equation, David, what do you make of that matchup between Winnipeg and Minnesota tonight? Yeah, that's. I don't know what's going on with the Jets. They're so hard to figure out, and I think they're kind of waiting to find their footing as well. They played so well for those first, what, 45 games or so in the last five weeks they've really you know kind of hit the skids and it's left a lot of us wondering what's the deal um you know it's funny we talked about them on our monday night hockey crew uh show on on monday and and one of the thoughts is they've lost a little bit of their identity they used to grind you so hard and they used to just battle so hard and that was sort of what they were known for including their great goaltender and top end talent they were known as a physical team to play against I think they've lost a bit of that. If you look at their blue line, their, their blue line just isn't, you know, intimidating. It's probably the wrong word. They're a very solid core, but I don't think they're an intimidating core. And especially in the Western Conference where you have some real beast blue lines when you look at, you know, the, the Golden Knights blue line and you maybe look at Dallas's blue line. You look at a few of the other blue lines mm-hmm. in the West. You, hmm, these are imposing figures. I don't feel you necessarily say that about the Winnipeg Jets. So maybe a little bit of their identity um, has been lost. And then and same with the third and fourth line. I think there's, you know, you have a Lowry in there and you have a few guys who are, who will grind you a little bit, but um, maybe not as many of those types of bodies as there used to be. So um, that might be one of the kind of question marks for them moving forward. But I, I still like their team and I like their chances. And I think when you have a world-class goaltender like Connor Hellebuck, you can win playoff games, you can win your playoff series, and you don't need to go out and score four and five goals. You can you can win tight games. So, um, you know, I, I still really look at this Winnipeg team as waiting to sort of see what they're all about. But tonight, tonight, you know, they call those sort of schedule wins where the other team, you know, played the night before and you're a bit rested and, you know, they have to travel and you're sitting at home. Like it has all those sort of requisite check marks to sort of say the Jets can take this game. And, and you know, I, I wonder for Flames fans, I, I guess you don't want the Jets to take this game, quite frankly, but um, this this is going to be an interesting matchup tonight with the Jets in the wild. Yeah, I think a win for the Jets would push them back up into the third spot in the Central and then drop Colorado into the second wild card spot, which would mean the Flames would stay about five points back of a playoff spot. Uh, whereas if the Jets lose, uh, well, then there are only four points back. It's not a huge, huge spread here, but that's kind of... I'm sure there's going to be Flames fans that are cheering for the Minnesota Wild to... To have some kind of yeah another one nothing game in a shootout, but this time it's a one nothing game in overtime. Jared Spurgeon's OT winner counts this time. How about that? No, you don't want a three point game. You want it. You want it. You want it in regulation. Whatever you got. Oh <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Regulation one nothing. Jared Spurgeon game winner. There we go. There you go. Like last night, for the look help. at the Senators. <laughs> Ottawa Senators weren't playing last night, and they watched as Florida, the Islanders, and Pittsburgh all won. And it's just so hard to climb back into a playoff spot when you're sitting at home and you're watching, and, and teams are playing, they're playing three-point games, the teams in front of you are winning, the teams behind you are winning. It's tough. 
So, uh, you know, you want to win, and you, and you certainly hope you can get it done in regulation. That's the best way to win. Uh, so let's maybe go to the, the Eastern Conference wild card for a little bit. We'll, we'll jump back over to the Western Conference. We'll kind of jump around the league for a little bit here with you, David. Sure. Uh, because the Islanders game was interesting. I mean, New York Islanders beat the Buffalo Sabres last night 3-2. to two. The Islanders, they're 8-3-3 three, and three with Bo Horvat. Uh, no Matt Barzell in the lineup. He hasn't played since, I, I think it was February 18th, if memory serves me correctly. And they're currently in the top wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. When you look at this wild card race in the East, do you see the New York Islanders as a playoff team? Well, the one thing that separates the Islanders, I think, from those other teams fine for the playoff spots is I think they have the best goalie, right? Ilya Sorokin, I think, is, is the best goalie in that group of goalies battling for the wild card. So I think. If nothing else, they have that going for them. And they know their identity. Uh, you know, we just talked a little bit about the Jets and their identity and maybe how it's evolving. You know, the Islanders, uh, the whole style of play has not ever deviated. You know, they are going to dump the puck in and smash and crash and rely on good goaltending, rely on, uh, you know, solid special teams. Nothing's fancy. Nothing's pretty. It's funny. We interviewed Bo Horvat during trade deadline show, and, and Paul Bissonnette, his very first question to Bo is like, oh, my God, how do you like playing for such a boring team? My God, they're boring. <laughs> he kept going on, and Horvath's <laughs> kind of listening and smiling and chuckling. He goes, yeah, we're boring, but we like, you know, when we win, it works. And it's true. Like, the Islanders aren't – there's nothing sexy about the New York Islanders, but they're an effective hockey team, and, and they've had proven success, you know, even with limited offensive, you know, star power. And Horvath was supposed to remedy that to some degree. And then, of course, Barzell gets injured right when Horvath gets there. But – um, I, I like, I, you know, the Islanders right now, um, the other teams have games in hand, but they have the points in hand. And I guess you could say sort of bird in the hand is better, right? You're, you're now, if you're Ottawa and Buffalo and, and these teams that have these games, you have to win those games. Whereas, you know, mm-hmm. the Islanders at least say we, we'd rather you chase that. We'd rather be the hunted than the hunter, I suppose, in this scenario. So um, I, I think the Islanders are sitting in a really good position right now, Haley. If, you know, if we had to to sort of um, handicap who's going to get those two wild cards, I'd say the Islanders are in the best position they can be in. Mm-hmm. I guess looking at some of the other games that are going to be happening tonight, uh, this Wednesday, night, we already talked about uh, Jets Wild. That's going to be on Sportsnet this evening. Uh, I guess another game on Sportsnet Pacific is going to be this Anaheim Ducks-Vancouver Canucks game. Uh, I'm not sure if you have to host on this game, David, but I guess as a host... It's a little inside baseball, I guess. How do you drum up things to talk about for a game between the 26th and 29th place teams in the league? Is this where you're just showing a Trevor Zegers highlight reel or pumping up Elias Pedersen? <laughs> Thankfully. We're at that point in the season. <laughs> that is not my problem. That is Carolyn Cameron's problem. Tonight I will be sitting back and not in studio uh, doing that game, which I'm very pleased about. So it's not, I mean, listen, you, you have a, what, how long is your radio show? Two hours? Uh, just one. One hour. Okay. Well, consider yourself lucky. I mean, there are two and three hour radio shows in, in Toronto. I listen to sometimes and I'm thinking, my God, three hours talking <laughs> about, you know, when it's a slow news day or a slow sports day, you're just like, wow. Uh, thankfully, you know, our pregame shows are generally half an hour and sometimes you are stretching, you know, sometimes you do get those matchups and there's just not a hell of a lot going on. And the Anaheim ducks at the best of times, there's not much brewing there. You know, I'm really hoping Connor Bedard lands in Vancouver or Montreal. You know, that's yeah. strictly as a, someone who broadcasts in Canada. Um, that would be great. <laughs> but I could tell you, if he does go to Anaheim, finally it gives them a sense of relevance they haven't had really since, you know, a long time. You know, they won the Cup in 2007, and, and we haven't had much interesting things to say about the Anaheim Ducks since then, quite frankly. So uh, I think this would be good for them it'd be great for them it kind of put the organization back in the right direction but yeah it's been a pretty quiet year to say the least and then vancouver yet all that drama they were the whole talk of the nhl for you know for the first three months of the season and now it's now there's not much brewing there either so um yeah that's not my problem thankfully that's all i can say (laughs) call carol and ask her what she's gonna do i have no idea I mean, I guess at least Elias Pettersson kind of continues to be a bright spot for the Canucks, right? They, 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 as you said, they've been a big topic of conversation for all the things that have maybe gone wrong or the players that are getting sent out and, and the things that, you know, 
become the most topical around trade deadline time. But, um, you know, we're in Canadian markets. I almost feel like I haven't heard a whole lot about Elias Patterson. And maybe that's because of shows like mine uh, that kind of talk about like what's happening with Bo Horvat or what's going to happen with Brock Besser. Um, but Elias Patterson really has, you know, excelled this season. He's been sensational. And quite frankly, I think he's going to be really great under Rick Tockett. I think that's the perfect guy to give him a bit more structure and balance to his game, but also let him do what he does best, and that's create offense. I mean, here's a guy who's top 10 in the league in points on a very, you know, on a team that struggled quite badly this year. And, you know, other teams, when they're game planning against Vancouver, they're clearly game planning against him and Quinn Hughes. And you get that type of attention, and you still are able to succeed and do the things he's been able to do. It's it's really impressive. He's a great young player in the game, and it's funny because at one point you remember hearing Jim Rutherford sort of say, like, everyone is available in a trade, Demko, Miller, Besser, Horvat. Everyone's available in trade, but Pedersen is sort of the one guy we're, we're not going to take calls on. So that speaks volumes to sort of who he is as a player. And it's great to see. And he's so young still. That's the thing you kind of forget, right? He's just 24 years of age. So he has right. a, a huge, you know, like very good chance. They've had this great line of, of um, you know, Swedish captains there and, and uh, Marcus Naslin and, of course, the Sedins and everyone else. And he'll probably be the, the next in the line of, of great Swedish captains in Vancouver. So that wouldn't surprise me at all. And and he is, you're right, it's funny, I was saying, yeah, I'm glad I'm not doing that game tonight, and I admit I am glad I'm not doing that game tonight. Having said that, it's always fun to watch Pedersen uh, perform, and Quinn Hughes, quite frankly. When I found out last week Quinn Hughes was the fastest player, fastest defenseman ever mm-hmm. to 200 assists, I was like, my God, fastest ever? Yeah. Like, that's insane. They I know. The group, you know, behind him. So, they've got... A nice couple of building blocks there. They've got to certainly shed some salary and figure out how they're going to manage the cap and add some parts around Patterson and Hughes. And, and quite frankly, Demko's looked very good since he's come off uh, injury. So maybe you have those that you know defenseman goalie forward trio moving forward to build around. And things aren't as bleak as they might have appeared earlier in the season in Vancouver. I think that stat about Quinn Hughes kind of jumped up on a bunch of us 200 assists and 263 games played beating brian leach who reached that milestone in 264 mm-hmm. and i just saw that and i was like oh my god i didn't even know that that was something that was happening maybe i shouldn't no. tell people that but <laughs> i was a little surprised yeah, i mean i wouldn't say he's quietly done it because i think you notice quinn hughes when he's on the ice and, and vancouver has had some success with him on the team but I would never in a million years, if you said which defenseman, you know, was the career fastest to 200 assists, I, I would have guessed 50 guys before I would have said Quinn Hughes. And I'm just being honest, mm-hmm. you know. Like, yeah. There's no way in hell I would have thought he holds that distinction now. It's unbelievable. So that speaks uh, really well to sort of how he's really just right off the hop been able to adjust to hockey. And you know what will be cool one day? And I'm not trying to broker a trade per se, but you know, if Quinn Hughes somehow does make it to New Jersey to join his two brothers, and you have three <laughs> top-end Hughes brothers playing together, it's kind of like the dream that you kind of had of, of having the stalls all play together maybe 10 years ago, right? Like right when they were in, right. you know, Eric and Jordan and Mark all at their height. Uh, it might be very cool. And if I could ever get brokered, um, I, I don't know. I think, first of all, the Hughes family would be pretty, be, make their life a lot easier. But I think it would be really, really magical and cool to see them all get a chance to play together. Absolutely. I mean, we saw the uh, reaction from Jack Hughes when Luke got taken by the New Jersey Devils. Uh, that was probably one of my favorite clips from from the draft. So can imagine it'd be very exciting for for that family uh, a couple more minutes here with you we're talking to david amber on the atlas pizza guest hotline did the edmonton oilers push themselves into contender status david with the addition of matthias Ekholm at the deadline you know that and the pace of Connor mcdavid uh he's got 54 goals and 124 points in 65 games so you kind of knew even if they were only second in the Pacific, third in the Pacific in a wild card spot that the Oilers were probably going to be in and around it in the postseason. Um, but this addition of Ekholm and, and the way that McDavid's continued to play, is this a team that's in like the contender bracket in the Western Conference right now? I think so. I, I think so. I think so for a number of I mean, 97 and 29, not just 
McDavid, but Dreisaitl's playing out of this world right now. I mean, he's he's just being able to take over games just like Connor McDavid has been able to, and it, it's been impressive to watch. And we've seen what Con- we've seen what Leon Dreisaitl could do on one leg in the playoffs. That's the Calgary Flames, obviously, let alone two healthy legs. So uh, you have the most explosive, dynamic duo, and then you've added, you know, a very you know pivotal part in Matthias Sackholm, uh, who does all the things you're you know, want your sort of number one defenseman to do. And it also helps slot down whether it's Bouchard or whether it's Darnell Nurse, et cetera. And it gives Bouchard actually a bit of purpose as well because Tyson Berry's gone. He gives them more of that power play uh, prime time with McDavid and Dreisaitl and Nuge and everyone else. So I, I think it, it helps in many aspects. But the other thing in Haley is the West is wide open, right? Like if mm-hmm. Calgary gets in, I would say they're a contender. Like, it doesn't matter if you have the second wild card or if you win the Pacific. I mean, to me, not much separates Edmonton from from. I mean, quite frankly, seven points separates number one in the in the West with number eight in the West. Seven points. I mean, we're talking yeah. about a couple of overtime losses and a couple of shootout losses, and you're in first. So, um, I think it's wide open. I think if Stewart Skinner can provide the type of goaltending he was providing, you know, in the last few games for Edmonton. Uh, that bodes very well, and they're the highest-scoring team in the league with a historically good power play. So, yeah, they're 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 in really they're in fine position, and I think they probably like their chances as much as anyone in the West. Do you? I, I know we talked about this earlier in the season, and we have you on quite frequently, David. You know, I think you were one of the people that we spoke to early on that was you know a kind of a big believer in this Flames team. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they they lost Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk, and they're not going to have the same top line, and they're they're not going to be be as good in the regular season as they were last year in terms of this you know historic scoring pace by players and and having such a successful regular season. But I, I very much subscribe to the idea that they would be better in the playoffs. Like we haven't seen a Flames team that has shown us that they are have been better than last year. They've been quite inconsistent at times. As you said, they haven't strung three wins together very often this year. But do you think this? Do you still believe that this could be a team that could do some damage in the postseason because of the style and the way that they play? Hundred percent. I mean, what is it? Twenty six. We're up to twenty six one goal losses. Uh, we yeah. saw in the last two nights one goal wins, and by the slimmest of margins. And you know, you needed a, a referee call, and you needed a magic, you know, a defensive breakdown with five seconds left, et cetera. Um, but they've had enough of those breaks go against them, quite frankly. And to sort of say, "Oh, the Flames are a crappy team," is, is, is someone who's not paying attention and they're just looking at the, st- the standings. There are good teams that have had some horrible losses. And they've just haven't had a, you know haven't had the momentum uh, that they've been trying to get throughout the year, like to, to feel a level of confidence and consistency that they should have. And their goaltending, quite frankly, just hasn't been good enough. So, you know, if they get the type of goaltending that they've you know received of late from Jacob Markstrom, do you think teams will be happy to be facing the Calgary Flames in the playoffs? Absolutely not. I, I can tell you, eight teams will be very happy if Calgary finds their way out of the playoffs and doesn't make it this year, because that's a tough. To line up against that team that has experience, that has a solid blue line, that has a world-class goaltender when he's playing well, uh, that's a formidable lineup. Um, and it would scare any team. and It would be a problem. And I think we saw that a little bit with Dallas last year against Calgary. You know, Dallas kind of squeaked mm-hmm. into the playoffs. They weren't an easy out over time of Game 7, right? You know, Johnny Gaudreau's mm-hmm. last goal, basically, is a flame. Or one of his last goals is a flame. So, um I think the Flames would be a real nightmare. And like I said, the West is wide open. And you can almost say the same thing about Nashville. And I don't feel as strongly about Nashville as I do about Calgary as a team. But do I want to go and have to stare down UC Soros and all these guys? No, I don't. So uh, I think the West is is anyone's game. And I think, um, you know, it's not a great race the way we're seeing in the East. But if Calgary can string together two, three, you know, more wins in a row, then you know, I might be back on the show next Wednesday and we're talking about a legitimate playoff <laughs> race, which would be really cool. So let's hope for that. Yeah, absolutely. I will hold you to that. We will bring you back next week and and we'll see where we're at this next week, maybe the week after, and we'll see where things stand. Thanks for doing this as always, David. I appreciate it. And by the way, I, I, I thought I was busy today. I've been running around. I'm in the middle of a move and I, I was, I was just washing oh. my dog. 
like snoring into the phone. Sorry, but um, <laughs> I I've been, I thought thought I was busy, and then I read your article on um, Claire Thompson, and I was like, now that person, like, what? That's unbelievable what <sighs> she's doing. So excellent work. Oh, there. I know. Like it just it puts to perspective, right? When people can do these, you know, achieve things at such a high level in such a competitive environment, ask academically and athletically at the same time, makes me feel like I've got a lot more hours in the day than I I should be complaining about. She's very impressive. I felt inspired myself today. I think I was like, oh, I don't have any time to do anything. I have all these meetings, all these calls, and then I've got to hop on the radio and. And so I went and like walked on the treadmill for a while while I like did some of my prep work. And I was like, this is fine. This, what, this is what Claire Thompson would do. So I'm with you. She, she'd that, be was running my, that was my big achievement is walking on the treadmill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was a great article I and I enjoyed it. So, um, <laughs> so thanks for having me on Haley. Uh, thanks David. Enjoy the night off. You too. Thanks. There, there goes David Amber on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. The guest hotline is brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. You can dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery at 403-248-3344. I appreciate the shout out from David Amber about the story I had posting today because it's not something I would ever bring up myself because I don't like talking about myself or the things that I do. Uh, which probably isn't great for promoting my work. But I did have a story come out today on The Athletic about Claire Thompson. She is a member of the Canadian Senior Women's National Team. She uh, was on the team that broke a record, several records, I should say, at the Olympics in Beijing this past year. They won a gold medal. Claire Thompson herself broke a record for the most points by a defender in a single Olympic Games with 13. She also led the tournament in plus-minus, obviously led all defenders in scoring. And then what did she do after she uh, won an Olympic gold medal and broke a record? Oh, she enrolled in medical school at NYU, which is one of the top medical schools in North America, and she remains a member of the Canadian women's national team. So she's a med student playing hockey at the highest level for women. It's super impressive. And yeah, her, the inspiration I took today was, was a walk, but that's all I had in me today. And that's okay. So if you're interested in that, you can check that story out on The Athletic. Uh, We're going to head to a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to have our uh, weekly Pat Chat with Pat Steinberg, host of Flames Talk here on Sports at 960. And we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the Calgary Flames with Pat. That's coming up next on Hockey Central on Sports at 960 The Fan. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, Hockey Central continues here on Sports at 960. Welcome back into the show. Final segment of the week for me. It's my, I guess I'll call it a mini Friday because I still have to work a little. Actually, you know what? No, I'm done. This is Friday. I'm done. I'm off to a wedding. So that's going to be, that's going to be fun. I feel like every time I talk about things that I'm doing for myself outside of work, I just sound so disappointed in them as if like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to go and do things with my friends and I'm not excited about it. So let's bring in my friend, Pat Steinberg. Maybe he can bring some energy. He joins us now on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. Pat, how come every time I talk about myself, I sound a little bit sad? Well, I mean, I know the reason, but I can't, I can't like actually say it. So, um, I know you too well. So, but I, it's, it's very on brand for you. Just a sad, sad person. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, I was, just, full, yeah, I'm going of, to a wedding. I just sounded always... so upset about it. I need to, I need to like reverse that. I, I am You're going always... to a wedding this weekend. So I won't be around. I, you know what? I was sad because I won't be on the show. I won't have a show Thursday, Friday. And that's where the sadness came from because I love, right. I love talking for an hour every day to my friends on Sports at 960 The Fan. I just I like, love having you're a You're always chat. so full of confidence of your, in yourself that, that I mm-hmm. feel like that it's a, it, it just feels very on brand for you. That's right. I'm very passionate about my own things. It's funny. Actually, right before you came on here, David Amber was on. And he's like, oh, I read your story about Claire Thompson. It was great. I enjoyed it. And I hadn't even brought up my own story because I refused to talk about myself or my own things. It was a good story. On my I, uh, radio I, show. I, 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 read you, it, uh, I read it about an hour ago. Yeah. She's very impressive. She does a lot of stuff. It's great. 
I could do that. Future doctor Claire Thompson. Yeah, you could yeah, go could, to medical I could, school I could win a gold medal and with, set an Olympic and record. And go be a doctor. Oh yeah, that's easy. But instead, you are Flames radio host, host of Flames Talk on Sports at nine sixty, and here for a pet chat. And I think Excited. that's great. And no, I couldn't. Thank do you that, so much. Just so that we're clear. <laughs> I know. Just <laughs> Yeah. No, it's okay. We know. It's a, it's a right, Pat. We know you're just joking. Um, but let's get into the flames a little bit here. Uh, you know, back to back big wins, back to back games where Tyler Toffoli gets the game winning goal. Uh, he gets the big winner against Dallas. Then he gets the shootout winner last night in round four against Minnesota. Are, are we seeing a turning point here, Pat? Like, is this where the Flames can maybe turn things around? Are we seeing some signs of life? Or are you in the camp that it's a little bit too late uh, for this to be peaking right now? Well, I think it's late. I don't know if it's too late. Um, I I don't know if this is a springboard. I don't know if this is the thing that is going to get them going because we've kind of been wondering that for well, pretty much the last five months, pretty much since October ended, we've wondered, you know, which which game or which moment or which off ice situation was going to get this group going. And and I mean, they haven't won more than three games in a row. Heck, they hadn't even won back to back games or or consecutive games prior to these last two in more, almost two months. It was January twenty first mm-hmm. and twenty third, the last time they had won even consecutive games. So I don't know whether it is. Um, I think that there are reasons to be optimistic that maybe it is. And I think the biggest reason to be optimistic is is less about a springboard, is less about any one turning point, and more about one person, and that person's name is Jacob Markstrom. And it's not just because he picked up his first shutout last night, and it's not just because he stole the Flames two points, and really a goaltender stole the team a win for the first time all year. But it's it's the way he's looked since coming in a little bit more than a week ago against Boston. So Dan Vladar starts that huge game against the Bruins. They end up losing it in overtime, but maybe they don't even get to overtime if Jacob Markstrom doesn't come in after 20 minutes of play. Dan looked very unsettled, did not have himself a great first period, had allowed two goals on four or five shots or whatever it was, and the Flames trailed 2-0. Jacob came in, stabilized that game, got them the single point. He played two nights later really well in a regulation loss against Toronto. He was one of the only players that came to play two nights later in that dreadful home loss to Minnesota. He was good, even allowing four goals. He was good against Dallas, and then he was spectacular. Maybe the best game he's played in a Flames jersey, let alone this season, but maybe the best game he's played in a Flames uniform. He was spectacular last night against Minnesota again. So the fact that he's now in five consecutive appearances, picked up a 929 save percentage and has looked more like the guy, much more like the guy that we saw last year, much more like the guy the Flames need him to be, and much more like the guy that is one of their highest paid players. That to me is, so it's not a turning point, it's not a springboard, it's more just a trend that I think is the number one reason that you would be hopeful that maybe they can still make this a run. I mean, Winnipeg scuffling is another reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're rather, you know, it's a, it's not the most difficult schedule from here on out for the Flames in terms of their opposition. Uh, they've got two non-playoff opponents, three non-playoff opponents coming up in succession. Uh, but starting with Anaheim, then they've got Ottawa and then Arizona on the road. So I just look at this and I say, is it over? No. Is it likely? No, they still have an uphill climb. They still don't control their own destiny. They still need some significant help from Winnipeg. And yes, they play the Jets one more time, but that's in April. I think it's April 5th, the fourth or third last game of the season they play the Jets. And does that game mean anything? Mm-hmm. Um, that's I, I think that might even be the number one goal. Make that Jets game mean something. Make it be a, a an almost playoff showdown. So we'll see. But the way Markstrom is playing... I think can give you some hope that this is not completely over. And more importantly, even if it is too little too late, and I think it's too early to be seen whether or not it's too little too late, but if it does end up being that, the fact that Jacob Markstrom is playing like Jacob Markstrom needs to play and is capable of playing once again, if that is the norm from here on out and for the rest of the season, in the big picture, that's a massive positive because they're not blowing the team up. They're not coming back in in a rebuild. They don't even have the ability to do as such with some of the contracts Mm -hmm. they're committed to. So 
they're going to try to be competitive and a playoff team again next year. And if Jacob Markstrom getting his game back is the only thing that happens in the final quarter of the season, that's still good news in the big picture, whether or not they make the playoffs. Yeah, it might not be what the measure of success was at the beginning of the season when everyone was looking at this new roster and saying, oh, yeah, like this could be something. They're going to be better in the playoffs. And now, of course, we're having conversations of, well, maybe they will be better in the playoffs, but they've got to get in first. Um, you know, relative to those goals and expectations that were put on the team externally, yeah, that's not great. Just making April 5th meaningful or just getting Jacob Markstrom clicking, it's not, it's not as good. It's not really success in the way that we thought it was going to be this season. But I, I agree with you. I do think that that's important. Because um, if you can head into the summer and head into next season, at least knowing, hey, we saw Jacob Markstrom and the Jacob Markstrom that we knew last year, we saw him at the end. And we think that he can get that back and, and be this way this year. That's, that's a good thing. And that uh, Winnipeg Jets game, as you said, Pat, that's April 5th. That's I believe that's what you said, just confirming for listeners. It's April okay. 5th uh, against the Winnipeg Jets. And then there's three games left in the season after that uh so pretty big one there and if that can be a meaningful hockey game yeah it's not what we thought success was going to look like at the beginning of the year but that would be a nice goal for the flames to check um looking at last night's game a little bit again here pat i just saw this uh producer cam sent it in our little group text that you're not invited to uh ryan hartman's been fined i guess just under five million dollars he's been fined the 5, maximum five thousand dollars Five thousand five million. I'm looking at very small decimal points here. That was really stupid. Uh, he's been fined the maximum <laughs> that'd be, that'd allowable be a five million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, he's been fined the maximum allowable under the CBA for slashing Rasmus Anderson last night. Do you think that's fair? Should he have been suspended for that? Like, do you, do you see that and think, yeah, that checks out? That was a pretty big slash on the hands. Yeah, I mean, had they wanted to, uh, had they wanted to suspend him for a game or two, I, I think that you, I, I don't think it would have been egregious if they did. What was egregious was the slash. I like that was. I don't, I don't. A know what Ryan Hartman's problem was. I don't, I don't quite get what set him off quite like that. Um, I know he's an edgy guy. Even going back to his time in Nashville, he's always been a a, a pretty edgy guy and and is prone to kind of those snap show moments and go into the penalty box when he doesn't really need to. So I, I just, I don't quite know what his issue was and why he decided to attempt to lob Rasmus Anderson's hand off. I, I don't, I don't quite get it, but he did. And then, and then he pops Trevor Lewis in the face right afterwards and takes mm-hmm. two penalties. Unfortunately, the flames didn't make the, the wild pay, but I, I don't get what Hartman's problem was. That slash could have really hurt Rasmus. And so had they wanted to go the suspension route, they could have had, they wanted to penalize it more stiffly on the ice. They could have. So I, I don't quite get what his problem was. I also like Dean Evison, the head coach of the Minnesota wild, who I've got all kinds of time for, but he, I don't understand what he was so upset about either. Like he was, you could read every single, word it was almost David Quinn not quite but you could read every single word coming out of his mouth on the bench when he was screaming at the referees about the the four minutes and saying that was not the right call yeah he he was probably right it should have been stiffer on on Hartman as opposed to just the four minutes so yeah the the fine's good um it could have been a suspension in the end it ends up being much ado about nothing Rasmus is fine Lewis is fine Flames get the two points Markstrom gets the shutout, so on and so forth. But I, I don't, I don't quite know what he was thinking on that one. And I'm just, I'm glad mostly, you know, Lewis was able to, you know, work it out through the jaw. He's fine, and I'm just glad that that didn't break a wrist or something like that because it, it very easily could have. Five million dollars for a new hand. <laughs> had had he lobbed a hand off, could have seen the the five million dollars. This one, five. That's 000, gruesome, 5, Pat. 000. Come on. It is gruesome, but I'm glad it's it didn't disgusting. Um, what's your take on some of the new players? I, I know it's very early. It hasn't been very many games. hasn't been very long since the trade deadline. Um, we talked about this yesterday, Logo and I. I don't have a problem with what the Flames did at the trade deadline. Swapping depth, essentially bringing in Troy Stetcher and Nick Ritchie. Um, you know, let's maybe start. We've got a couple more minutes here. We can maybe start with Nick Ritchie. Uh, first game, he's got, you know, gets a, gets in on a big point. Uh, and then the second game, it's like, oh, yeah, he does take a lot of penalties. I mean, what's your early review on Nick Ritchie in this Flames lineup? 
Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I liked him in game <laughs> one. I thought that he did well creating space for Kadri and Huberdo. I thought that line was maybe the biggest driver for Calgary in the 5-4 win over Dallas. Um, and, and for the first time in a long time, both the Kadri and the Lindholm line looked really strong in a game at the same time. Um, and I thought Richie was a part of it. I, th- I thought Richie played well, and I thought that he um, held up his end of the bargain. And I think Adrenaline was pushing him through, and he played a really good game. Second half of back-to-back, tough travel. Um, he did not look very good last night. And he took the two really, really avoidable penalties. Uh, one 200 feet from his own net, which uh, I, I th- you can bet would get under the head coach's skin quite a bit. Um, and I just, I did not, he, he wasn't anywhere near as strong on pucks. He wasn't creating space the same way. He wasn't, uh, forcing tough decisions the same way. He was a very, um, he, aside from the penalties, he was a very invisible hockey player last night. So Nick Ritchie's a guy that we know has all the tools. He's got the size, he's got the skill, he skates well for what he is. Like he's a guy that when he's right can make an impact. The problem is throughout his NHL career is he's been very inconsistent and getting him to engage or be engaged more often than not has been a real problem. And I'll give him a pass on, on night two because it was tough travel and all that type of stuff. He's still adjusting to a new team back to back, et cetera, et cetera. But we need to see Nick Ritchie play like he did against Dallas on a regular basis. And not just for the Flames to make the playoffs, but for this guy to have a contract going into next season. Because if he's, if we see more of the unengaged, unnoticeable Nick Ritchie, or, or unnoticeable except for taking penalties version of Nick Ritchie like we saw last night, then he's going to be PTO candidate stuff going into next offseason. He's on an expiring contract. He's kind of he's he's fighting for a contract this summer. Uh, so I'm I'm curious what he can be. I'm still I'm still going to be optimistic on it because I think a guy fighting for his playoff life is is or, or not playoff life his NHL life and and fighting for mm-hmm. next season. And there's always something to that, but we got to see it sure. and it's got to look a whole lot more like it did Monday as opposed to what it looked like on Tuesday. And is the the ice time was reflective for him as well absolutely I think the interesting thing about Nick Ritchie is that he could like there is reason to believe that he would be a good fit next to Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberto right he's got the size he plays with a physical edge he's really good um you know along the along the boards he can win puck battles he can kind of be that typical top six guy who's kind of there to make sure that he gets and maintains possession of the puck and gets it into the slot for guys like Kadri and Huberto. It should work, um, but he's got to be able to put all that together and play at that speed, that pace, and, and you know, stay on the ice at five on five and not not hang out in the penalty box. Um, so we'll see if that happens with Nick Ritchie. Do you think we'll see the Flames, you know, drop him down the lineup, or do you think he'll get another shot in that spot uh, against the Anaheim Ducks on Friday? I don't know, because I also think that there's uh, an argument to be made to getting Walker Dewar back in the lineup and, and getting him mm-hmm. some time. So I'm curious. And moving you know, Dewar thought... back up. Well, and, and, and I think that's another good point in that, you know, I, I, I do think that Dylan Dubé is a guy that uh, deserves to be playing a higher role than he is right now. Uh, I, I get that they moved him to center, and that's kind of a show of faith in him, but they've taken him off the power play. He's not penalty killing a lot. So I just think, and, and I know that he dropped off for a game or two there, and he got sat down in the third period recently, but... Dylan's been one of their best players and most consistent players all year. He's on pace for career numbers. He's helped them with secondary offense. He's been a really good player for him, and I think he is better suited higher up the depth chart. He's a top-nine guy on this team, no question. So uh, I, I think that there is there is the impetus to get Dubé back up the lineup, and if you don't even want to do that, even having Dubé and Dewar on the same line with their speed would be really interesting to see. So I'd like to see Walker Dewar get back in. I'd also like to see Dubé uh, get bumped up the depth chart a little bit as well, but uh, we'll see. They've got uh, a practice on Thursday and then a game against a a very beatable, have-to-be-beatable Anaheim Ducks. The Flames have got to find a way to beat the Ducks on Friday regardless of of how it looks. They just need two points and what, it would be just their second three-game win streak of the season. 
season. So I think there's an inter- there's a couple of interesting options. I think Lucic has struggled of late. Um, I think Richie uh, probably deserves another game. I don't know if you play your first two games on a back-to-back with that tough travel and you get sat down. I don't know if that's best for him. So if there's a way to get Dewar back in, I'd be all for it. If there's a way to move Dubé further up the lineup, I'd, I'd also be all for it. All right, uh, we've got maybe two minutes left here with you, Pat Max. Uh, very quickly, uh, what have you thought about Troy Stetcher uh, as the kind of new guy next to Nikita Zadorov on the third pair? Again, it's very early. These are the early reviews, um, but it seems like he might be a bit more of a reliable option for Daryl Sutter to tap over, say, Connor Mackey. Yeah, and I think that the first two games that we saw from Stetcher were strong. And and I think that you saw some some stabilization on that third pair for sure. At the same time, I thought he really struggled against Minnesota as well and, and spent a lot of time chasing in his own zone. Made a couple of good defensive plays, but I, I thought he spent too much time in his own zone and spent too much time kind of chasing the puck around, and his ice time was reflective. He played just under 15 and over 16 in his first two games, only played 11 last night. So uh, I, I thought that Stetcher was really good for him in their first two games. I thought he dropped off a little bit in the third game but again new team third game in four nights I'm not going to be too critical of it uh, just because of the circumstances and I, I, I still think that bringing him in was the right call and I still think that he's their best uh, one of their six best options healthy right now to be in the lineup every single night he skates well he is able to help them exit their zone for the most part better than they had before whether it was Mackey or Stone so I, I don't I don't think that you're taking Stetcher out and I think that there's a pretty good chance that the first two games that we saw from him a little bit closer to what he can be on this team in a third pairing role as opposed to what we saw from him last night where I thought he struggled. But again, a lot of guys struggled last night. It wasn't just the two newcomers. Right. All right. Great stuff, my friend. We will uh, we will check back in on all of this, see how the Flames are doing next week. It's a, it'll be our weekly Pat chat. Uh, yeah, I'll be off for the rest wedding. of the week. I'm so, congratulations on getting married this weekend. That's right. It is my wedding and I was very, that I was very sad about. You're right. Yeah. Can you imagine? Finally, I'm getting married You finally this are giving in, hey? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's a friend's wedding. <laughs> Bye, friend. Enjoy Thanks, the Pat. weekend. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you. You too. There goes Pat's time for Costa Flames Talk on Sports at 960. He joined us there on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. Uh, that is all we have for today. That's all we have for this week. As I mentioned, no Hockey Central Thursday, Friday. I'm going to be uh, traveling for for a friend's wedding over the weekend. We will uh, check back in next week, uh, talk about how the Flames are doing in this uh, Western Conference playoff race that they are still technically in the math's not great but they're still in it uh we'll talk to you next week here on hockey central on sports at 960 the fan